0: when did he become a fucking producer on <laughs> <know>. the show <laughs>
1: i don't know but de- depending well on i get that he tells me so much about it i get the gist of it yeah, but depending like, on I, I, who I, you I'm are here's up, the thing money will always be putting down money will always be topical right because every someone's always drowning
2: we are in the basement slash office of former guests now you get to see him on our little camera there chris welcome back thanks for having me bob what's new with you living the dream very good and we're, as, as always, joined with Remy. I, I purposely have put my back to the camera so we can see his lovely angelic face. Hello. All right. So, Chris, what are we here to talk about this time? The last time we talked about finance, and you, uh, you were very enlightening about credit. You were very enlightening. That's kind of you. You were very enlightening <laughs> about the importance of debt. Debt is not a bad thing. Right. Uh, we talked about our mutual disdain for people younger than us. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what pull, are we here to pull? pull work
1: ethic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, what are we here to talk about today?
1: Well, I think probably a continuance of the conversation we're having before about um, sort of navigating some of the, the topics uh, of that podcast, but more specific to current day, right? So, yeah. So, it's
2: we're in the fall of 2020, 2023. So, well, what's going on financially in the world right now?
1: Well, money is expensive, so rates have gone up. Right. So we talked before about a a very
2: nice, simple way to put it.
1: Yeah. So we talked before about how um, borrowing isn't necessarily bad unless someone's independently wealthy, you're always going to have to borrow money. But right now it costs proportionally more than it did, um, like this time even a year ago, to do things like buy a house or to buy a car, to have credit card debt. So those factors in itself represent significant challenges to some people who might have been right on the edge. Between being able to afford a car or not, or um, if they could afford sort of like a, a limited before and now they might have to get like an XLE, you know? So, like, I think that it might be of some value to talk a little bit about how, um, you know, you can sort of level the playing field because obviously most consumers are at a significant disadvantage when they go into a dealership or when they try to do something like that for the first time. So, we could talk about that. So,
2: we're, we're far removed from the cliff that we thought that some people thought Silicon Valley was going to to lead to.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're alluding to everybody thought we're going going to go into a recession and that's, that's past now, you know, we're not, we're not. Yeah. But there are still some things that come along with the, you know, the inflation that we experience, which is still there. So, Remy, you want to you wanna chime in uh, at this point?
0: I'm poor.
2: <laughs> well, you know, besides the,
1: besides the poor. You can be poor and still have a good life if your cost of borrowing is low.
0: See? I'm good. I can leave now. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs>
2: The Odyssey Podcast, where hosts Remy and Bobby Rocks explore life for people born in the late 70s and early 1980s. Each week, they embark on expeditions exploring their analog childhoods or interview guests about navigating adulthood in a digital world. Join them on another adventure to discover what it means to be a Zenio.
0: For these episodes particularly, and I said it the last time, I'm a little more backseat. Um, there'll be points when I'm going to represent really poor people, I think, in the discussions if those opportunities present themselves. But mostly for me, th- these episodes are a crash course. I find them incredibly interesting. So don't be um, turned off or think it's anything strange if I am a little quiet. I'm learning as much as they are in these processes because I don't know shit. So it's very intriguing stuff. But thank you for giving me an opportunity.
2: Yeah. No, you're, you're very welcome. I just wasn't sure if that was a good time. uh just where if you had any thoughts uh because chris has said like uh and this is something chris and i have talked about that what people thought silicon valley was going to lead to was a snowball of fuckery for lack of a good way of putting it you know it was just going to be like dominoes falling multiple dominoes falling and 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 like chris said it it didn't happen that way and there's reasons why chris has told me
1: why yeah well to 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 put it in context of what happened. Like, so you, when you say Silicon Valley, what you're referring to is a, is a relatively small regional bank, right? So you have Bank of America, you have um, like JP Morgan Chase, so the huge banks, right? And then you have regional banks like Silicon Valley, Citizens, Santander, um, that that don't have branches or a footprint throughout the entire United States. And what happened was is that bank – um, invested very heavily in one particular uh, type of investment, mm-hmm. and that was uh, venture capital debt, and it blew up in their face. So, so it was like you were saying. It, it was thought that it was possible that that could erode confidence, consumer confidence, sufficiently enough where everybody could start drawing out all of their money, taking out all their money. It's called a it's called a run, a run on the banks, which is essentially what happened in two thousand eight. Like, the, like the, what I mean
2: by that is people got worried and people started taking their money out.
1: No. Okay. Thank you for clarifying though. <laughs> no, nope, 2008 was way 2008 was was way worse. Um it had to do with uh mortgage notes like uh poor uh, subprime mortgage um notes uh, being represented as like grade A. Uh, but th- this this is actually what happened with the Great Depression where it, basically people got scared so they thought their money wasn't safe. So they took it out and yeah, that's basically at a high level what, what, what happens. And and it it sounds probably like super, super simple that if you, you, people could, um, like all of us could just go to banks, take money out and then cause a a massive failure of our economy. Mm -hmm. We can do that. We don't want to do that, but that's, that's exactly what could happen. And that's sort of what began to happen. But thankfully... The between government intervention a little bit and um, other businesses stepping in, like the financial institution I worked for was one of the major companies that stepped in and invested massive amounts of of capital to save these banks. It worked out. People didn't take all their money out. We kind of moved on to the next news cycle, and and it it was okay. But to go full circle back to what we're talking about about what. What's a challenge right now is that it's expensive, right? So even if the cost of you know, a gallon of milk is is back to normal, it's still expensive to, to borrow, a, to buy a car. It's expensive to, to borrow money. And um, so, but there are some ways to still be like if you have to buy a car or you really, really want to buy a car or you have to buy a house or really, really want to buy a house, there are still ways of doing it and still being able to afford it. Um, and one of those ways is to shop around. It's time for the opening act.
2: Welcome Welcome to the Odyssey.
1: One of the worst things you could ever do, to be specific, one of the worst, like, specific to buying a car is finance it through the dealer. Worst things you could do. Because it's, it's, um, there's no greater example of they saw you coming, right? Because if you go in and you say, I'm going to buy this car... And yeah, oh, and I want to finance it. That you just basically held up a sign saying, I'm an idiot, right? Like I, I'm, i I should say that's not very nice. But that's what they're thinking about you, right? <laughs> so it might not sound me nice saying, but that's what they're thinking about you. Because what, what you're telling them is that you're willing to pay for the convenience of financing it through them. And you're you're going to, to the greatest extent that they can possibly get away with it, let them pick what your 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 rate's going to be. Because what the, the dealership is going to try to do is profit on, it's called the front end and the back end. They're going to try to profit on you as much as they possibly can with a car. And they're going to try to profit as much as they possibly can on the back end, which is the financing and the warranty and all that. So how,
0: how does your average layman prevent that when trying to buy a car?
1: Great question. It's easy. Super, super simple. So you shop around for a car, right? So you might say, oh, I'm kind of thinking of getting a, a Ford F1, Ford F-150. Well, you don't. Typically, just show up to a dealership and buy the first one that you see at the first dealership that you go to. You usually, go online, you shop, right? Well, you should do the exact same thing for your loan. You and it's really super simple. You just go online. You you Google uh car car loans. There, I mean, there's an infinite number of banks that I mean, almost every bank on the planet finances auto auto loans, mm-hmm. and some of them actually specialize in it. So you just shop rates now. <clears throat> rate a, a good rate is something that's earned. So um, you should be, or anyone should be, um, what's the word for it? Realistic about and 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 educated on uh, what you where you fall as far as your credit score is concerned, and what that then translates to as far as interest rate, which, as most people know, is the cost of borrowing. Right, so that's what the bank makes on you um someone with a mid to high 700 800 credit score would qualify for a very very low interest rate up to is like say zero percent and then someone with a credit score that's like in the high sixes or or less might that's when it starts to get a little bit more expensive but the best place to start is to understand where generally speaking interest rates are like I got, a, I got a little bit of a shock the other day when I came to find out that, put it this way, last time I financed, when I financed my truck, I'm on my truck, um, interest rates were around 3%. I think the interest rate on my truck loan was like 3.24%. It was almost the same as the mortgage that I had. And now I think they're like seven. Oh, wow. Well. So they're, they're really high. So actually, I think the national average car payment is like 774, which is really freaking expensive, right? Dollars? Like s- 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 dollars. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Great. I know. I know. That is insane. People are paying it though, but any, but the the idea is is number one, know what is like in air quotes a good interest rate right now. And now, if you have good credit, you should get that good interest rate. And you're only going to get it if you make Seek sure that out. you... Yeah. you got to make sure that you do, right? Because
0: you're saying in the car dealer, they want to get you as... They want to gouge you as high as they Absolutely. can. That's
1: how they make a living. And you going yep. in and trusting them is the stupidest. Stupidest possible thing you could do, right? So a dealership is there to beat you, right? It's it's someone someone wins, someone yeah. loses. It's like Vegas. Yeah. It's like it's, the house. It, it, the house it, wants it, to there's win. no better example. That's yeah. a perfect example. It's like you're going against the house. When you go into a car dealership, you're going against the house. And so to to get an auto loan from them is uh, it's just crazy. It's it's quite literally crazy because you will never, almost never, outside of being a super well-informed consumer with very, very good credit. Like I'll use myself as an example. I'll be, I'll be arrogant for a minute. If I walk into a car dealership, I'm going to know exactly what I qualify for. I'm going to know exactly what I'm entitled to from the way of my credit. So there's no way I would leave that dealership with a loan that doesn't suit my needs and 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 my appetite, right? So, but but most people who go there aren't as well informed as myself or a lot of other people or some mm-hmm. other people. So they're gonna they're gonna let the finance manager dictate to them. Hey, I was. I, I, you know, I, I fought for you and I was, I was, and I was really aggressive and I beat the banks up a little bit and I was able to get them down to this. Yeah. Right. 10%. So, yeah. They're going to use words like that. And you're going to be like, Oh man, oh, but,
2: I really appreciate that. But the reality is, is that they kind of have an a la carte of several banks. that they That's usually, exactly
1: right. That they work with. Yep. And they and, already know the rates. Right. And the banks specialize in different types of credit and in different types of vehicles. And so it's, you are at a huge disadvantage if you finance your car through a dealership unless you're super super savvy and you've done your homework. Uh, but most of the time, it's just really not worth it because it's going to take you way longer. It is so much simpler to finance a vehicle through a reg- like a regular bank, like I don't know, uh, Harbor One. Does Harbor One even? Exist? I don't even know if they still exist. I think they do. Yeah, but or whoever bought them. So like a local bank, you can just because you can just you can do it online. Either. You can get a pre approval. And then you go to the dealership and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll pay this amount for that vehicle. And you should write it on a piece of paper and say, Let me know when you'll sell it to me for that. And yeah. then just walk away. And they're gonna be like, No, 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 wait, Because they don't want to lose the sale. Yeah. And and but and you and they're gonna say, Oh, well, how are you gonna pay cash? Because as far as they're concerned, it is cash. They don't have to find it. you're gonna, you're gonna go because you're gonna get a what's called an RMV1. And once if you buy that car and then you're gonna give it to the the bank, and then they're going to write a check to the to the uh, dealership. So as far as the dealership is concerned, it is cash. You are paying cash because you're financing it at, at a at a bank outside of there. Is so, it
2: fair to say you take out their middleman and you just put in your own middleman? As far as
1: the bank well, you goes. become your middle middleman. You're t- yeah, you're taking out because yeah, because you have as you say as you say use an example like Capital One. So you have Capital One, and then you have the finance manager of the dealership, and mm-hmm. then you have you. So you have that finance manager doing his absolute best to, on the back end of this deal, make as much profit as he can because that's actually where the finance department of a of a dealership makes their money is in, is in the um, the financing and then um, the fine print, yeah, and the warranties and and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, so for for buying a car, there's ways of doing it. So you 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 would not be best served or you would be doing yourself a disservice if you walked into a dealership and then you let them tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I can get you 7% and this, this is going to translate to this payment on this type of vehicle. And if it's, cr- if it's too expensive for you, the biggest mistake that you can make is be like, oh, I guess I can't afford that car or, I'll, or, or I'm going to quit. So
0: now I'm out of curiosity, um, apply that to housing.
1: quite as much um control or power or influence with buying a house as you do with a car so no you can't
0: go in there with that written down number like you do with the car that no
1: work. no but you um you you should shop around you like you 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 should and the the day and age we had to have 20 percent isn't isn't necessarily well, let me put it to you this way, right? It's like everyone's talking about seven. Like I think the interest rate right now is somewhere around seven something. Ironically enough, for for houses too. And they're talking about. I I keep on hearing the word in news use sky high interest rates. When when our our parents ish age bought a house, it was thirteen percent. That was the average interest oh, rate. That's true. That's and, facts. Yeah, and it's like so. What what in God's green earth is sky high about 7%? Absolutely nothing. We we've had a number of years where interest rates on on mortgages were artificially low is what the what the real issue was. They were artificially low. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that I won't get into, but was that the big short?
0: Have you ever seen that film when they talk about shorting the whole housing industry? Yeah, n-
1: that was more that was more representing representing um, crap loans as being not crap. Oh, okay. Kind of. So, okay. what happened was, kind of the two thousand eight thing is what what happened was is that. So we all hear about like regulation, right? So it's basically the federal government saying, "Okay, banks, here's a list of things that you can't do. These are the no nos." Kind of like if you're playing operation, it's hitting the kidney, right? right. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah, saying yeah. you can't <clears throat> do the ant, eh, right? So what happened was is that what the federal government did is they took all the ant eh out of mortgage lending, oh. right? So they basically said, "Hey guys, you, you police yourself." Right, you got this, right? You got this, and now the banks are like, Yeah, we trust you, right? So, um, whether what did they do? They literally bankrupt the, the US economy because what they did is they gave mortgages to anybody with a pulse, but they to make matters worse, so it was twofold they gave mortgages to anybody with a pulse, and then they and then they took those crap mortgages and they sprinkled them with a bunch of good mortgages Uh, and then they went on to wall street and they said here, here is some um, investment portfolios that have grade a notes in them. uh, And because of the lack of regulation, they were allowed to do it. And so then you have the huge investment firms bought those portfolios. They were allowed to do it. And then all of a sudden delinquency started to tick up and they're like, and, and, just as a point of reference, the most, like, for, the, for for decades, mortgages were always considered to be a sure thing, yeah. right? Kind of like home values going up. Are you talking so, like
2: more stock market type of stuff? Now? From
1: an investment perspective, okay. like people, right. when people bought mortgage portfolios, they were, they were, no one would ever buy a mortgage portfolio concerned about it defaulting. No, because no one defaults on their. But suddenly, that was a problem. it, well, it was worse than this. Is like not only did all of a sudden what was represented as grade A paper started defaulting, but then then home values started to go down, right? Or they weren't going up. So then all of these people who got mortgages that only barely had a pulse, right, thought that they were going to be able to refinance. And they couldn't. They couldn't. So the, all of a sudden, all these balloon payments started to kick in and be triggered, and then it was quite literally the perfect storm. Every conceivable bad thing that could have happened to cause everything to implode upon itself, basically left all of these enormous financial institutions shit out of luck. But there was nothing they could do, because they had really invested heavily in what has always historically been a sure thing. And then no one was paying their mortgages, so they the the bottom fell out. Like we all know, Lehman Brothers went out of business, right? Yep. Well, that was mm-hmm. why there's no more Lehman Brothers because of that, and um and a lot of mid small and mid banks were gone, or, or they yeah or they, or they, they failed. Themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I am I, not smart enough to say it can never happen again, but it it, it would be. Almost impossible for something like that to ever happen. I mean, it, you would literally have to peel back every possible, conceivable financial regulation imaginable, and I I don't think anyone would get away with that. So was it fair to
2: say that when things like this happen, what what everybody does is put stop gaps in place?
1: They try. Well, they try to, but so that, that stop gap account. is the form of a law, right? So yeah. or a regulation, and if someone comes along and it's like, oh, well, we don't need that anymore, so there went that stop gap. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's a law called Dodd Dodd Frank where they, they, they created a ton of regulations, right? And they, some of those have gone away. So they mm-hmm. sunset, they expire, and they've gone away. And then, then so now the the right, you know, the banks can get away with a little bit more. Believe it or not, and it's, pro- it's very frustrating, is like you got to keep in mind is that people who do this are very bright. People who run these banks, who create these financial instruments, are always going to try to find a way to make money. And they create new inventive financial instruments or mortgages to accomplish the same thing Mm -hmm. of being able to keep up, you know, keep the wheels moving and everything. Because if only the very, very well qualified out there are the ones getting mortgages, no one's making any money. You know what I mean? So they've got to, that's just the way, you know, it works. So, so I want to go back to,
2: um, how you compared what happened this year with smaller banks, um, Silicon Valley being the whipping boy, unfortunately, like a better way of putting it, uh, being the only whether the only bank or were no, the Republic did too. Okay, yep. um, you said it was comparable to uh, the Great
1: Depression in the nineteen twenties. Well, it was a tiny, 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 tiny example. I don't know if it's like anybody cares about like what happened. Is like so what, what? you have deposits like the money that you put in the bank because you and I mm-hmm. talked about this, right? So like most people would think banks like to have money. Right? So they, they like when people deposit their money in a bank. But if you think about it, what does a bank have to do with money that's deposited into it? It has to pay interest on it. So believe it or not, uh, deposits to a bank is a liability. They, they don't really want to have. Well, I shouldn't say they don't want to have. But banks, if a, a bank is being managed responsibly, it, it doesn't necessarily want to have a crazy amount of money deposited into it because it has to find ways of investing that money responsibly to earn money so that it can afford to pay out the interest on the money that's deposited so when you put money into a savings account you expect i mean it's a it's a piddly rate right you get yeah. you get piddly money but you get paid money on that the bank has to make that money somehow to pay out on it so what happened with um Silicon Valley is that they convinced, and this is like high level, like kind of simplifying a little bit, but they convinced a whole bunch of venture capital firms out in Silicon Valley to deposit their money, all their their capital. So the bank all of a sudden had a huge influx surplus of, huge amount of money, right? So Which they then had, they
0: had to pay interest on all right, of it. Right. So they had yeah. to
1: figure out where are we going to invest this. And again, just simply put, they picked a very risky type of investment. It wasn't illegal, just risky. All banks invest in venture capital, like startups, basically is what they did. All banks do, but it's a, like it's like 1% of their portfolio. It's a small little smidge in the mouth. I think um, Silicon Valley's was like 15%. So they invested very heavily in this particular type of segment of the economy, and then things started going wrong. So then these investments really- Dominoes. Weren- so they weren't panning out well, and it word got out. So when word got out, mm, everybody went and said, "I'm taking my money out," which um, caused
0: huge other problems.
1: Well, like, right, they had invested this money based on revenue or deposits that they had, and if they no longer have sufficient deposits to support their investments, then they then they implode. Yeah. So they, it's called the bank fails. So the bank failed the moment that it didn't have sufficient deposits to support. But it's it it's was... like it's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah, it's yeah. like you, it's like you have to go on loop. it is. So if all of a sudden the, the the consumer goes in and they take their money out of that loop, that circuit it fails right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what when they say a bank has failed, that's what the, that's what they're talking about is that that enough people went in and took out their deposits that were there. That were needed to back the investments that these banks made. Now they ever again; they only made those investments because of the deposits. So it's yeah. like it's a certain. And that's that's the banking system. That's how the banking system works. Is like you put money in, the bank takes your money, it invests it in something so that it can make money to pay a return on your on your deposits. And and what the bank tries to do is make its profit on the margin, right? So they 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 saying like living on the margin. It's mm-hmm. like that's what the bank does so yeah you get your slice you get your little piddly 31 cents a month i mean it's ridiculously low and then the bank gets the difference on on between what it was making the, on that investment and what it needs to pay out on you or pay to pay to you so so but again when the when, the, when
0: there's a discrepancy everything falls yeah,
1: apart and then when the people that put that money in first that triggered the bank to invest in all of this because it needed to yeah goes back and says, oh, no, 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 I changed my mind. And, you, and you, of course they're entitled, but it's not typical, right? Mm-hmm. If, you have a, if you have someone or a whole bunch of people that puts $10 billion into a, a financial institution, you don't expect them the next week to go back and take it all out. Yeah. That's, not, that's not normal. That's kind of like what happened. It's like they, they, all the money went in, people got spooked, all the money came out, and the bank's like, oh, crap. And now uh, you guys might remember... The one of the I think it was the CEO or the CFO got some really bad press because of what he the way that he made this public. He went on a what's called an earnings call. Like you have to have um usually periodic calls. And it's literally a call. And in the, here's here here's what's going on. Well, what he did is he went on this call and told them, and told them about, about all of the money that had been taken out. So usually, what will happen is if they're smart, they'll spread it out a little bit, right? And it's not this is not illegal. What I'm talking about doing is that they're not gonna basically give all the bad news right at once yeah. because they don't want to spook the investors, right? So they'll they'll say, okay, we we have realized this amount of of uh, decrease in in deposits as of this period of time, mm-hmm. uh, with this ending this period, resulting in uh, these these. The following ratios right and then the investors will be like "Uh oh well okay let's see how this goes on the next call right so now they have their attention but no one's freaking out well with Instead the of,
2: let's use the let's stick with the the vegas example he just pushed all the chips he in.
1: pushed all the chips I'm and all, he's what? like he's like yeah it's all gone right he's basically Which caused he, a mass he, panic he, he, well that's all then all the investors are like uh what right and then they all just took all their money oh, yeah. and, and that was one hundred percent avoidable. well, ninety six percent avoidable. And so he he was viewed as being just totally negligent in how he handled that because there's the right way and there's the wrong way, so yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, that's kind of like what happened with that. But it was contained. The good news is is that it was contained and it didn't get worse. And um, that's 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 some good news. So it goes to show like because I know like it was on the news about how. And it was a good thing. You had elected representatives talking about how our financial system is strong. You know, the, the President Biden was saying that over and over again. He should—that's his job because it is strong. And and, and he had to, he should have reminded everybody of that so that he avoid a panic, right? And it worked. So you no, know, you didn't have a mad run on or massive run on all the banks. So that was good. We're, so we're strong
2: enough to absorb or handle this.
1: Yeah. Clip. And that's what and, that, and, and, and in reality, that's what should happen. I mean, businesses go out of business every day, right? And banks are no different. Banks are absolutely no different. Um, and the U.S economy is and should remain strong enough. To be able to have that happen because it's healthy it's like the natural cleansing of the financial industry you know what i mean yeah. if, if you like bed bath and beyond is like, yeah, they just went out of business uh, um, which
2: which time because they came back and then they yeah went they're again.
1: done they're done christmas tree shop went out of business i mean in so in many cases that's inevitable but it's also because of how they were run it's a failure to change and evolve yeah. you know um so it happens but But to kind of like to what we were talking about, which is like more practical to the average person, is that you know, when when things get tough, you know, when costs go up, particularly the cost of borrowing, you can't stop living. You know what I mean? That's the reason that I was thinking about worth talking about today, because people who are listening, there's people out there that need to buy cars, there's people out there that probably still want to buy a house, and even though they say like, oh, the American dream is dead or it's like impossible to have, it really isn't. It's not dead, and it's not impossible to have. It is very expensive. So you kind of have to be practical and realistic about what you can afford.
0: that venue um okay so we have a world right now and and unfortunately i'm a part of this but it's like everything in the last two years has exponentially gotten more expensive um groceries gas whatever it is it's, it's all just compounded and there are a lot of people right now myself included who can't find apartments like a one bedroom now is like 1800 um when you put that with the price of groceries and the price of everything and the fact that people are still getting paid shit, how to me, how is this not a recession or an impending depression? Because I see people and I know people who are like people who are like, fuck it, I just have to kill myself. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. You well, know? so well, it
1: might not be a depression, but it is depressing. You okay. know, it yeah, is yeah, it's, yeah, well said. it's 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 not it's not fair. It's not definitely not fair. Yeah. Um, and as we all know, because all of our parents told us, life isn't fair. Yep, you know what I mean? Outside of having some type of um, really profound connection or reason to live in New England, you're borderline crazy for being here, right? Because there is almost nowhere else in the United States, with limited exceptions, that anywhere near is expensive to live here. It, it, people have the impression that, oh, it's, it's the taxes that make Massachusetts expensive. It is not. I mean, people and I would uh, and I could actually intelligently and eloquently debate that fact with anybody who wants to try to make a case that the taxes in itself is what makes Massachusetts expensive. It is not because uh, let me give you a really quick, very simple example. Do you think for one second that it is cheaper to run the state of New Hampshire than it is to run the state of Massachusetts. Do you think that the roads cost less? Do you think that the infrastructure oh, costs less? Oh, everything's relative, right? Well, it's what it is, is you pay one way or another. It's all in how the package is wrapped, right? So like in New Hampshire, as an example, I think, I can't remember entirely what they call it, but there's a particular type of tax associated with driving a vehicle that is extremely expensive in, in New Hampshire Yeah. that Massachusetts does not yeah. have. Right, so you you they so they, it's relative. You it can is. you can all you can just you can call it a different thing. Yeah, but 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 just think about it this way: the state of Massachusetts, technically the Commonwealth of Massachusetts,
2: Commonwealth means is, the same thing as state. It's fine.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's similar, right? It it doesn't it doesn't cost more to run the Commonwealth of Massachusetts than it does the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, because people point to states like New Hampshire that don't have sales tax, and they're like, oh well, you know, Massachusetts is crappier to live and more expensive to live because we have sales tax but sales tax it, it's just one type of tax and like as the example of New York where New York has a, like, a, a, like a like a like a menu of taxes right you have yeah. local tax county tax state tax you have all kinds of so Massachusetts is, ex- is expensive to live because it's highly desired it's demand that drives cost so people want to live and I know we all take for granted. I know I do, right? Yeah. Until until sometimes you travel somewhere else and you're like, "Oh wow, like this is the nicest, um, this is the, the nicest hospital they have like in 500 miles, yeah. right?" And you look at it and you're like, "Oh wow, right?" Like we we there's so many things. Like let me, let me the beach. Guess what? The beach is a huge premium. The, having the ocean right next to us, right, is a huge driver in value. So Massachusetts is expensive to live because we have a lot of cool stuff that we just take for granted. They were like, oh yeah, beach. So what?
0: Every kind of topography you could want. We We have mountains, we we have have mountains, mountains, we have
1: valleys, right? We have the Berkshires, right? You've got Provincetown, there's so so much cool stuff, you know? And and if you go, like you go to a lot of people, I'm going to move to like Arizona or something where it's cheap, right? And then number one, one of the hmm. biggest, one of the biggest driver. I know I'm gonna say one of the biggest drivers of 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 cost of living is is accessible healthcare. So think about it. We have the best hospitals in the world.
0: Mass Health too. Oh
1: Jesus, yeah. Oh, was, do you think that might have something to do with why it's so expensive to live here? Best hospitals, not not in the in the region, not in the country, not in the hemisphere, in the entire world. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. I mean, that, so that it's tells like you. so that's so to your question, it's like if. Outside of someone being very well financially positioned, it it is all it is always going to be a significant challenge to live here. It really is, and that's why I said, outside of that, right? I I would it would not it would not surprise me to know that a lot of people are looking to leave that aren't as well financially positioned as other people. You know what I mean? Because no, that makes a lot it, of sense. It, it, it's in it, because in a lot of cases, particularly with remote working. I'll, put, I'll use myself as an example. If I didn't have kids, I w- there's no way I would still live in New England. No way. Two reasons. One, um, I'm not a huge fan of all the seasons and changing of the weather. <laughs> yeah. And number two, I have a remote job. I could work anywhere in the world. Why would I want to live somewhere where it is so expensive to live when I can make the same amount of money and live in a in an area where like, the same price that I spent this house here, I could have an absolute palace.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Like, Texas is a perfect example. Do you know what $600,000 yeah. would get you in Texas? Imagine. A palace. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's like, that's the thing about New England. It is it is, not, it is not fair, to your point, to your question. It's like, it's... Because I'm here, so this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. And, all right, no, that's yeah, why and, I wanted to ask you, though. And, and, honestly, like, the best advice I would give is someone was saying, hey, I'm having a really tough time here, and... I would I would ask them like, well, do you, are, you, are you what's keeping you here? What's keeping you here? Like, do you do you have to stay here? Because yeah. depending on what type of skill someone has or what type of like work they're doing now, I mean, one of the first things I would say is if you looked into different types of remote professions, something or is your are your skills transferable where you could live in an area where you could possibly make a pretty good living with a much lower cost of living? Yeah. You know? Because the other thing too you have to keep in mind is like it's not just as easy as moving somewhere else. And like as far Florida is in as an example, I think we had a friend. I don't remember. I thought we did that moved to Florida or somewhere else, and and then they realized how how little they got paid, and they're like, oh Christ, like what did I do, right? Because like if you like if you're an electrician in Massachusetts versus like an electrician down in Florida. You're getting paid diddly squat in Florida for doing the exact same job. It's like, yeah, your housing cost is less. So again,
0: it is relative. It's like one hand washes the other. But if you
1: can have the best of both worlds, right? Like if you can work remotely uh, or or earn Massachusetts kind of money. Where would you live? Where would I live? I hear, um, one of the Carolinas, I think it's North Carolina. (laughs) I would say either of the Carolinas. Yeah. I hear like they they have a good, balance. I know, I know a lot of people from Massachusetts that like go there. Like I hear about that a lot, a lot of people. And I think it's in North Carolina or, or one of the two, but I mean, they get, when they get hit with a hurricane, they get like decimated. But I mean, it's a good combination sort of like good weather, bad weather and the cost of living obviously is less, but, um, I don't know. I'd have to, it might, and you know, honestly, it might not even be in the United States. There you go. It, it might not, because particularly with um, just, like, the gun violence, like, uh, and knock on wood, it hasn't <laughs> happened in longer time than I can remember about mass shootings. I mean, um, particularly with kids, like, I even told my wife, and I told Bob this before, is, like, we're one mass shooting away, and if there's one mass shooting in New England, I'm done. Yeah. I, my house is up for sale the very next day. Um, that's one of the things that I... I I value about living in New England where I can see, you know, a value in paying more for our cost of living is like we have the, some of the most educated people in, in, in the United States that yeah. live in, in New England. And I, unfortunately, I know it might sound like I'm being a dickhead, but unfortunately unfor- enough, the more educated the the population, the less stupid shit that you see people doing. Right. Yeah. And, and also to be a little bit more sensitive to it, the less mental illness that you can off, often have. Whereas in New England, we have a lot more resources for people with mental illness that, so if God forbid they're having a tough time, not only do they have more resources, but they have a lot more educated people around them observing that and, and helping intervene, which you don't have so much when you're down in like Alabama, yeah, you know, something like that. So to go full circle that there's, there's a lot we pay for, we pay a lot, but, there's value in There's it. There's value in it. You know, at least I see some value in it. Now, yeah. even, even though
2: it is uh, astronomically more expensive to live here and, and here, I don't mean I mean specifically Massachusetts with this question. Uh, there have always been pockets where there is places where it's uh, affordable for people. But the crime rates. Mm. It, it's that, but again, we're sticking with that. The trade-off yeah. the trade-off is you're, moving somewhere because it's more affordable it's usually a lower economic status area and you have to come along with stuff that comes along with that and I bring that up because I saw in one of those areas that's near us one of those cities that uh, rent for a two-bedroom apartment is now over two thousand dollars a month and I know you and I have talked about if you're at a point where you're paying two thousand dollars a month for rent why aren't you just getting a house I know you and I have had that. And then what about this? What
0: about this? What about the fact that that fucking $2,000 apartment is in New Bedford, which has some of the highest crime rates in
1: all of Massachusetts? And and interesting, guys. We just went entirely 100% full circle because this this conversation is a perfect perfect example of Mm -hmm. why having your financial house in order is so beneficial. Because if you find yourself in a situation where you're spending $2,000 a month on rent, then it would be a blessing for you to be able to then say well then if i'm going to spend two thousand dollars a month on something i'm going to do it with something that i own that's the cool thing about buying something it's like over the long term so you can get something nicer and nicer and nicer because you just let time go and value goes up
2: is it too strong of a take to say when we use like new bedford with that kind of price as an example is that people are getting priced out
1: yeah 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 and like we have a mutual friend that was spending, I think like twenty four hundred dollars a month in rent. Yeah, and and, and, and
2: I, not because of him, but because I just know, because I I do through my work, I've heard people who live there. It's now over three thousand. Yeah, a month.
1: and you have to think about that, right? <laughs> like you you it, forty it, grand a I, year I, almost. I I can't. Wow. I I honestly can't relate to someone. Not I understand. I cannot relate to someone who is okay with handing over three thousand dollars a month to and, and in return for that having enough you, you 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 simply have a place to sleep. I mean you, you, you I mean it's I mean yeah you can maybe entertain at some level. You've you've you have no yard, right? You've you are you building up no equity. You you can maybe paint the walls, pre selected colors. Yeah. Right. You you live in, in what is the equivalent of an apartment building right so it's not like you you, you're renting a house which i could Mm -hmm. see some level of of tangible benefits um when like when you could you could take that three thousand, because by the way you're not getting one of those apartments with bad credit no no Mm -hmm. not at all nope so there's no one that's getting an apartment that can't get a house yeah no mm -mm, not happening right so it's in in but the but that's 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 something I just can't relate to. Like why someone would do that. Make that decision. They make a conscious decision. Like, I'm gonna hand over I and mean, that's more than my mortgage. Three, that, that is that is in that is a huge sum of There's money. There's This
0: tweet this girl made, um, she was like, any of y'all are paying less than four thousand rent for an apartment, you're still a child. And somebody popped on the thread and said, if you're paying four thousand rent, a house that you're not gonna have. You're the fucking child. Yeah,
1: yeah, and an idiot. You yeah, yeah, know yeah. What I mean, but yeah, man. I
0: mean, that was. It's always
2: really informative and interesting. So, thank you. Yeah, thank the you very much. It's been Chris. a pleasure. All right. Until the we'll next. We'll probably night, do it again in three months. Yeah. We we'll just keep we'll, updating we'll, people. We'll see what's going on in the world, and then we'll come back and ask Chris uh, how we can save ourselves. Sounds good. Appreciate all you, all brother. All right. Yeah. Take care, everybody.